ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 21-year-old Courtney Vine at her first World Cup can write the Matildas into history. Cue the party! That party, it went on for a while, didn't it? Now, every Aussie sports coat is wondering how they too might throw a little women's sports soiree. This weekend, season eight of the AFLW gets underway. And in a moment, Sam Lane is going to tell us why Aussie Rules is desperate to cash in on the Tilly's immaculate vibes. We'll also take a look at the final round of the NRL, where the minor premiership is Penrith's for the taking. The Roosters or the Rabbits are facing season extinction and the Dogs try to wrestle back. A positive narrative. We'll also have sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Sam Lane is here. She is one half of the excellent women's footy pod, The W, which talks women's footy every single Monday. It's great. Go to the ABC Listen app, subscribe to it, follow it, do whatever you need to do. Sam, the start of every footy season is capital B big, but this one feels especially (laughs) so. And I wonder whether this is the most important AFLW season since the first one. What do you reckon? I'm going to run with that. Yes, I agree with you. This is not just capital B. This is capital B-I-G. It's season eight in the AFLW, and I think that kind of says it all. We've had that period where I guess you might say it's honeymoon and we start and everyone's interested. Then there was COVID. We won't talk about that time. It was it was a dark day for everybody. Um, but now I think after finally getting every club, so all of the 18 AFL clubs are in the competition. We had two seasons in the space of 12 months last year. This is kind of reckoning moment, I think, and no more so because we've just seen Australia completely swept up in the FIFA Women's World Cup. Kerr over the halfway line, faced up by Millie Bright. Kerr still racing forward, edge of the box. Sam Kerr shoots right-footed. What a strike! What a goal from Sam Kerr! and, of course, riding uh, the incredible waves of the Matildas. So there is an audience here just waiting for that next thing. And I would say a whole lot of that audience hasn't discovered AFLW yet. If the AFL is serious about its women's comp, it needs to seize this moment. And if we want to capture the public's imagination, a good way to do it is through storytelling. So what's the narrative that will dominate the season, maybe off-field and then we'll do on-field? It's right on that you mentioned that because the AFL has actually invested double the amount of marketing budget in the AFLW this year. Now, of course, um, budget's one thing. What will actually capture fans is what we see on field and they're the moments, they're the goals, they're the marks, they're the increasing um, parts of link-up play that we love to see in the incredible game that is Aussie rules football. So I think one of the narratives will be that we will see more teams and I guess I'm thinking about the teams that joined the competition from the get-go in 2017 become genuinely slick, consistent teams. They won't have the ups and downs. And the Melbourne Footy Club won the premiership in the last AFLW season. I am tipping that they become a juggernaut this year in the way that we see the really great teams in the best possible way become on-field bullies. Uh, I think Melbourne uh, has got that edge now. They will move ahead of the Brisbane Lions and the Adelaide Crows, who 
have held that kind of status in the competition up until last year. A foundation club will finally get their flag. An icon will finally get her flag. Daisy's D's are the season seven premiers. You know that I can become besotted by stars in any kind of sport. <laughs> so let's talk star power. Who's going to be the most exciting player in the AFLW this season? There are so many to choose from, and we know that there are established stars, Erin Phillips, Taylor Harris, Darcy Vessio, um, Emily Bates. Uh, there are so many that are the household names that we know and love. I think the real challenge and where we're going to see AFLW hopefully progress is for other names across the comp. One I really want to see shine has crossed from Collingwood, believe it or not, um, over to the Sydney Swans. Chloe Malloy is the new co-captain of the Sydney Swans. She's got ex factor. She's got cult status. She's a great person to boot. And I really want to see her light it up and um, really kind of push the movement forward here in New South Wales. Another one I'm just going to throw in in Queensland. We see her do flash great moment things. Dakota Davidson knows how to celebrate better than anyone on field. She plays for the Brisbane Lions. Dakota Davidson. That is a sensational snap from the pocket. And we know Dakota loves a celebration, and that was no different. And then, sorry, I'm being greedy, but Ellie McKenzie uh, at Richmond, she's just 20 years old. She is a really powerful midfielder forward, All-Australian last year. She's explosive. She is very much on the rise, and I am tipping that those three names will become household in this season. Sam Lane and Shani Nord to host the W Podcast every Monday. It's the best conversation in women's footy, maybe full stop. I reckon they'll have a few things to talk about from the season opener between Melbourne and Collingwood. That gets the whole season underway Friday night. Coverage of that live and free on the ABC Listen app. Sam Lane, thank you for your time. Thanks. Enjoy the footy. The final round of the NRL is underway and there is a lot going on. Emma Lawrence is part of Channel 9's rugby league coverage and is here to help us understand all the angles. Emma, the Broncos rested a swathe of players. They got beaten by the storm. What's it going to mean for tangible things like the top four and intangible things like team confidence? There was a lot of debate, Stacky, about whether this was good for the game and and resting a lot of players. I think personally it was great to see a lot of these young and up-and-coming stars get a go first off. Gets a Nicarima, second man to Fialongo. Dummies and straightens. Fialongo breaks a tackle. Scores a double on Deboe. In terms of what this means for the top four, essentially, now the minor premiership looks like it will go to Penrith. So if Brisbane had won last night, they would have been able to lift the JJ Gilton and Shield. Now Penrith play on Saturday night. And if they beat the Cowboys, they will be the minor premiers, which seems like it doesn't mean a lot in the end. No one seems to really remember too much who wins the minor premiership, but it could work out the makeup of that top four. So it looks like Penrith probably will finish on top and face Melbourne in the first week of the finals. Yeah, you talk about whether or not people care, I guess, about top spot. The Panthers play the Cowboys. They can obviously sew up the number one seed. Do you think Ivan Cleary and co care? Absolutely he cares. He said over the last few weeks that it's genuinely important to him for a number of reasons. He said it gives yourself a level of confidence and the boys genuinely do feed off that going into the finals. Also, there is a small financial incentive, not massive, but look, it's been a debate for a long time whether or not you have a bye week like the AFL had. But yeah, one thing's for sure, it does mean a lot to Ivan Cleary. The game of the round has to be Roosters versus Bunnies. Friday night footy. Whoever loses, it is guaranteed. Season over. Enormous stakes. But why is there even more intrigue around this game than 
than maybe normal. Well, these two teams, first off, arch rivals, but these two sides have dominated headlines over the last couple of weeks. There's been some criticism around Latrell Mitchell. So Rod Churchill, the son of legend Clive Churchill, came out. Hammond Latrell Mitchell, the club have been in sort of defence mode over the last week or so. We rewind a week before that. Their assistant coach, Sam Burgess, walked out in the club. So it's just been two weeks of drama and them dominating the headlines. You've got Latrell Mitchell not there. He's suspended. On the other hand, for the Roosters, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, he's suspended. Joey Manu, another star, is injured. So we are missing a couple of key players. So there's just so many storylines, honestly. It's going to be the match of the round and could turn into really one of the matches of the season second. There are some other belting games that will have big implications for this season. And even next, what should fans keep an eye out for elsewhere? The Sharks and Raiders game definitely is a big one on Sunday afternoon. That could affect the makeup of that bottom four. So those two sides essentially fighting for a home final, which will be a home elimination final. Uh, But look, if the Raiders lose, and depending on other results, there is still a chance the Raiders will miss the eight altogether. So a lot really um, come down to that match. And everyone's going to have their eye on the Bulldogs this weekend. Cameron Serraldo has been criticised for reportedly being too hard on his players and having really strict training methods. Uh, One of the players walked out on the club after being made to wrestle his teammates as a fine for being late. Many have come out in support of Cameron Seraldo this week, including Ivan Cleary. I support Cameron 100%. Yeah, he's come out this week. It's pretty obvious what he's trying to do. He's a great coach. He knows he knows what he's doing. It's important that he gets supported from above. If they do that, then that club will be on the way up for sure. Look, if they come and lose this match, it's going to be tremendous because not only have they been in the headlines, many thought this year because of their star recruits, they would be in the top eight. Lots to look forward to for this last round, Stacky. It's going to be a belter. Can't wait for finals. Emma Lawrence, thanks so much for your time. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Time for sound bites and finally, finally, we get the breakdown of what happened in the Lord's dining room at lunch after Johnny Besto was run out in the men's ashes. Remember that massive global scandal? Here's Marnus Labuschagne, followed by Mitch Marsh, speaking to the Grey Cricketer podcast hosts. Are you guys happy with that? Dave Warner's like spitting out his chicken. <laughs> spitting out his chicken and goes, yeah, very. Well, I was trying to eat my soup. So if you can imagine... <laughs> I'm eating my soup and I'm shaking like this. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> just try and look down and then I look up at Johnny and be... <laughs> I'd pumpkin soup coming down my eyes. man known as the bison painting a great visual of orange soup on his crisp whites. Who knew he had such a way with words? And if you thought Johnny Bairstow was upset, spare a thought for Laura Sigmund. The 35-year-old was booed off court after losing to 19-year-old Yank Coco Goff at the US Open and the German, she had some... They treated me like I was a bad person. Would I enjoy more if you played a great shot and people would scream and and give you the respect you deserve for your performance in that moment? Yes, you enjoy it more. And what do I play tennis for? I'm I'm 35. What do I play tennis for? I made good money, you know, I'm not going to probably reach my best rankings anymore, not in singles. I play out there for the people. One person not concerned about upsetting people is Noah Lyles. The US sprinter had this to say after winning a gold medal in the 100-metre sprint at the World Champs. The thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? 
the United States? Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. at times. But that ain't the world. That is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. <laughs> he may have alienated every single player in the NBA. I mean, Kevin Durant was coming for him on Instagram, but he's not wrong. Everyone's been saying it for years, finally. In the lucrative and glamorous world of sports podcasting, they say you always end on a high. So how about the moment the University of Nebraska women's volleyball team, yes, broke the record for the biggest ever crowd for a women's sporting event. They're called the Cornhuskers, which is chef's kiss wonderful and they played the game outdoors at dusk at the university football stadium the scenes how many rocked up you ask Two thousand and three. That edges out Barcelona's Champions League clash with Wolfsburg, which was a bit over 91,000. Just remarkable. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Ronel Moa. Thanks to Optus Sport, Channel 7, and the Cornhuskers Instagram for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.